Ed Robertson, hoping you're enjoying this encore presentation of TV Confidential. We'll be back with a brand new edition of the program next week. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Montgomery with a word to mothers about two new cereals from Quaker. I'm Quake, the earthquake power cereal made with rice. I'm Quisp, the crazy energy cereal made with corn. Shh, excuse me. Quaker has reinforced Quisp and Quake with B-complex vitamins and iron. These two sweet cereals not only taste good, but they're good for kids, too. All right, fellas, it's all yours. I love Liz. I love her more than you do. Hi, this is Michelle Lee, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Gee, I'm glad you stayed all night, Bobby. Don't you like the cereal? Oh, yeah, but it's a little mushy. It's not crisp like the kind my breakfast pals served Dad and me at home. Your breakfast pals? Sure, they come every morning as soon as I whistle. What? I'm Snap. I'm Crackle. I'm Pop. And the service, Bobby. Hello, Robertson, welcoming you back to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television that has eight essential vitamins. If you grew up watching television in the 50s, 60s, and early 1970s, folks, as many of you listening tonight, in fact, did, you will remember that part of the fun of watching television back in those days were the ubiquitous and often ingenious animated commercials for Cap'n Crunch, Sugar Crisp, Lucky Charms, Fruit Loops, Fruity Pebbles, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and numerous other popular breakfast cereals made by Kellogg's, Post, Quaker Oats, Ralston Purina, and many other manufacturers. Much of the appeal of these commercials is the host of animated characters such as Tony the Tiger, Snap, Crackle, and Pop, Lucky the Leprechaun, the Trix Rabbit, and the Cheerios Kid that are still popular today. These cereal characters became big stars not only through their TV commercials, but also through merchandise such as comic books, stuffed toys, and in some cases, their very own television series. These are just some of the many things that you'll read about in a fun new book called Part of a Complete Breakfast, written by our guest, Tim Hollis. Tim has written several books on popular culture, including Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records. Tim, welcome to TV Confidential. Well, it's nice to be here, or it's nice to be here and you're there, I guess we'd say. It's nice to have you on the phone, let's put it that That's way. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not there. Yes, so well, yeah. I'm going well, to Abbott and Costello if we did that, I guess. Well, no, I've, 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 had, I've had people wonder whether I'm there at all. But that's, that's that, right. That, that's well, not... I'm not all here, so let's go on. <laughs> you, you concentrate mostly on TV characters, but because this is part of a complete breakfast, it's really part of a complete history, and the complete history of breakfast cereal characters dates way, way, way before the era of television. In some, in, in one particular case, the middle of the 19th century. That's right. Yes, the, uh, the first serial character, by that definition, I suppose, was the, uh, the Quaker Oats Man. And uh, that brings up a, a topic that people sometimes forget. When people think of cereal, they think of cold cereal, mm -hmm. milk. But, of course, hot cereal was the first kind that came along. It was actually several years before people developed a, a cold cereal. But the Quaker Oats man uh, came along in the 1870s, and um, he was soon followed by uh, the uh, the cream of wheat chef. Mm -hmm. who, and, of course... Both of those fellows are still around today. Why do you think that both the Cream of Wheat Chef and the Quaker Oats Man are still around today? How, how come they've never lost their appeal, Tim? 
I don't know. I guess that uh, they they represented what the companies wanted them to represent, and the public went along with it. I think it's notable that the uh, the cream of wheat chef never even had to be updated, yeah. like uh, Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben or some of the, the others that were his contemporaries. But the uh, the chef looks basically the same now as he did in the 1800s. Even the Quaker Oats man has more or less stayed the same, and I guess. I mean, they didn't use the obviously they didn't use the word brand back in the early 20th century or late 19th century. But if you're thinking in terms of an image that uh, looks friendly and you know helps sell the product, I, I, I guess both the Quaker Oats man and the cream of wheat chef were, were integral parts of those respective brands. I guess that's true, and of course uh, the Quaker Oats company chose that image because they liked. The, the wholesome reputation of the Quaker Church. Uh, they didn't check with the Quaker Church before they did that, though. Mm -hmm. And so, over the years, there were some uncomfortable moments uh, between the two of them. And if we have time before we finish, we'll get down to the uh, the famous incident in the late 80s, early 90s, where that really came to a head. Yeah, that's We, uh, we won't jump ahead of ourselves. Well, I'll, we'll just give a hit. It has, it has to do with Popeye the Sailor Man. That's correct. Well, <laughs> blow me down. <laughs> Who was the first animated mascot for, uh, for breakfast cereals? Well, the first... Let's let me let me back up a little bit and say that uh, of the of the cold serial characters, the animated characters that are still around today, the oldest ones are Snap, Crackle, and Pop, and because they they actually went back to the days of radio, mm -hmm. uh, that was where their names came from. They were audio characters, and it um, about the time they were introduced on some of Kellogg's sponsored radio programs. An artist named Vernon Grant, who had been illustrating fairy tale books, came up with a visual image of them, which basically looked nothing like the way we know them today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Snap, Crackle, and Pop are the are the old men of the cold cereal industry, and it was in the in the early fifties that Kellogg's and its uh, ad agency Leo Burnett began animating characters like Snap, Crackle, and Pop, and then they came up with new ones like Tony the Tiger. The Leo Burnett Agency really, really deserved a lot of credit for the popularity of animated commercial characters, because not only did they did they come up with the uh, the Kellogg's characters, but they invented Charlie the Tuna mm -hmm. and uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Uh, they had a lot to do with the Jolly Green Giant commercials, so... Uh, and even Morris the Cat, who wasn't an animated character. But the Leo Burnett agency really knew the value of those mascot characters. Yeah, I mean, as they look friendly, they tell a story in, you know, 60 seconds or less, and as long as you get the slogan and, and you sell the appeal of, of the product, whether it's tuna fish or, you know, or, or breakfast cereal, I mean, that, that's correct. That, that, that's it, gives, a, it gives people something to remember, yeah. something to associate uh, with the product, it's it's sort of interesting that uh, for a long time there were characters who would appear in the commercials and other advertising for these cereals, but they didn't appear on the boxes, especially the General Mills cereals. Tricks was around for a number of years after the Rabbit was introduced before they put him on the box, so uh, companies had different approaches to that type of thing, I suppose. 
Well, I, I, I guess because especially with something like Cheerios, which is which is one of the oldest right. um, cold cereals, or as you point out in the book, cold cereal me, uh, meaning ready to eat cereal versus Quaker mm-hmm. Oats, which you have to heat and cook and prepare and stuff like that. But I guess I, I guess they're thinking you know in terms of something like Cheerios, which is old fashioned, you know, ready to eat oats. The, the, the product, I mean, the, the the picture of a bowl of Cheerios on the box itself, I guess they would say is enough to you know, move boxes in the, at the grocery I store. I think so. I mean, everyone remembers the commercials with the Cheerios kid and Sue, mm-hmm. uh, but those characters did not appear on the front of the boxes. I think that occasionally they had uh, comic strips with them on the backs, but they were definitely not front-of-the-box mascots. They were just strictly for the animated commercials. For the animated commercials and for a while through a set of merchandise, like I, I was telling you, uh, I was telling you off mic. When I was a kid, I remember having a Cheerios Kid plate with Bullwinkle on it. Oh and, yes, <laughs> and 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 a, and a little bowl with uh, with the Cheerios Kid and Sue. So yeah. the, they, there was a long series of those commercials where Bullwinkle would would. Uh, be his usual clumsy self until he ate Cheerios, and then he would uh, gain super strength. But he would still be clumsy, so it's, he would uh, he would still crash into the wall. He would just do it with more force. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <Does> it hurt worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, again, as, as long as, it, as as long as it moved the product, that's uh, that's what's mattered. We're talking to Tim Hollis. Tim is the author of part of a complete. Breakfast, Cereal Characters of the Baby Boom Era, a comprehensive look at the history of breakfast cereal commercials from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You can find part of a complete breakfast in bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. Uh, you were talking, but don't, look, but don't look for it at your neighborhood supermarket. No, no, you, you, you cannot find it at your neighborhood supermarket, but you definitely find it at your neighborhood bookstore or at your neighborhood local library, you know. But uh, although, although I understand, Tim, that you have quite a collection of memorabilia, including uh, shelves of vintage uh, cereal boxes of you know, featuring some of these animated characters that you uh, write about and talk about in part well, of the Well, that's true. I doubt. Uh, I doubt seriously if any of your listeners will ever be traveling anywhere near Birmingham, Alabama, but that's where I am. And uh, if they are, they're welcome to get in touch with me. I I collected memorabilia for uh, about thirty years, and then decided that I had to build a museum to hold all of it. And that's what I have down here. It's a two-story building that's full of all of this, and uh, and and it's still it's still growing. Every time I go in there, I see something that I don't remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, wonder, <laughs> I think the, I think the stuff sits in there and procreates, actually. But um, when did you? So it's, what, it's growing all the time. So uh, people are people are welcome to get in touch with me and schedule a visit. When did you start collecting? In 1981. Yeah, that was. Um, the original goal was that I wanted to get back the things that I used to have when I was a kid that mm-hmm. we had gotten rid of over the years, and it just got out of control from there. <laughs> the first the first thing that I ever went out and bought as a collectible wasn't even something that I had when I was a kid. <laughs> so the whole idea was shot before it even got started. <laughs> but uh, but it's fun, and uh, and I love to see the reaction of people when they when they walk into the place. <laughs> um, do you have a website? I don't have a website. Uh, well, I have one 
that's devoted to, to Birmingham okay. history, which is BirminghamRewound.com. But uh, the easiest way for people to see my books and the museum and so forth is to find me on Facebook, uh, because I'm, I'm on there and I have a lot of these archival things displayed there for people to see. Okay, so you can look up Tim Hollis by going to Facebook? Uh, Facebook yes, and I, I don't know how many Tim Hollises there are on there, but it doesn't take long to figure out which one is me. Right, <laughs> it's, it's the one with a very friendly face. That's right, <laughs> and all the and all of the books and the and the collectibles and so forth. And and if you get a copy of part of a complete breakfast, Tim's book, uh, what uh, which we're talking about, which is available through uh, University of University Press of Florida. Let's get the name in there. As, I, I, yeah, I almost got it backward. University Press of Florida. Uh, I, I'm not kidding. Virtually every page has really vivid images. Most of them are in black and white, but uh, Tim also has a 16-page insert of classic TV ads featuring some of your favorite cereal box characters, uh, as well as screen grabs, in some cases memorabilia. So it really, uh, we're talking off mic, it it will reignite memories of these commercials that, that we and, all watch. And appetites. And appetites. <laughs> Not only appetites, but in some cases it reminds you of cereal that you tried as a kid and maybe you shouldn't have tried as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone remembers that. Most people probably remember that every cereal that Ralston Purina came out with tasted exactly the same, and they all tasted like Captain Crunch. <laughs> Not that anything was wrong with Captain Crunch, of course, but uh, it's just that when you when you got a, a a Ralston cereal, you knew before you opened the box what it was going to taste like. That's right. But <laughs> well, uh, and I want to I want to talk about Captain Crunch and the relationship uh, between Jay Ward and Ralston Perina uh, a little later on. But first, going back a little bit, we're talking about the Cheerios Kid and uh, the you know which which is one of many commercials for cereal that sold the idea. Of uh, I, I, the the idea that if you ate a certain cereal, you became super strong. That's correct, boy. That was a that was, I think that was the most common theme in all of cereal advertising. And, and, and in some cases, it goes back to the early days. I mean, before television. Um, I, I don't remember whether this is a cold cereal or a hot cereal, but it, it's the cereal. That featured the uh, the character Sonny Jim. That's right. That was a. Um, I think maybe that was one of the early cold cereals. It was called Force. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what a name for a cereal! <laughs> but um, yes, they had a character named Sonny Jim. The the ads were actually illustrated by W. W. Denslow, the original Wizard of Oz illustrator. Mm -hmm. But. Um, Sonny Jim would uh, he would eat four cereal, not necessarily in his case to to gain super strength, but it would turn him from a gloomy character into a happy one. So I guess that was the the first uh, instance of, of cereal making a physical change in someone instantaneously. The um, the whole strength thing I believe came about. Uh, in the mid '30s, when there was a Popeye radio series, mm -hmm. and it was sponsored by a, uh, a hot cereal called Wheatina, which was basically a cream of wheat ripoff. Mm -hmm. And in that radio show, 
they didn't mention spinach at all. When Popeye needed to get out of a jam, he would eat Wheatina. <laughs> you know, and, and he would turn into a bodybuilder and he would beat up whoever was threatening him and so forth. They never, they never did explain how Popeye could carry these bowls of hot cereal around with him. Uh, but of course, the cartoons never explained how he could have metal cans of spinach inside his shirt either, or or how his arms could turn into you know propellers That's or, right. or riveters and stuff <laughs> like that. But uh, but after after the Popeye radio show, the the idea of of equating cereal with strength really really caught on. Like you said, probably the Cheerios kid was the longest running. Uh, one of those where he would eat the cereal and his uh, his bicep would have a, a little ring of the cereal glowing in it, you know, like Popeye always had that kind of thing going on. And, um, you know, as a kid, I always wondered why uh, his girlfriend was always giving him the cereal instead of just eating it herself That's and right. taking care of her own problem. That's right. Finally, in the 80s, those characters came back and she did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I wasn't the only person yelling, it's about time. Yeah, yeah. well, in fact, I understand that uh, General Mills brought back uh, the, uh, uh, the Cheerios, ki- uh, both uh, the Cheerios Kid and Sue uh, uh, within the past year. Yes, I've seen them in some uh, some Internet use. I don't know that they've done any new animated commercials. They might have. Yeah. But uh, if they have, I don't know whether Sue is still cowing down on the stuff uh, or not. <laughs> They, they 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 look a lot different than they did back in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. It's kind of funny that these companies they all go for what they what they think is a retro style, but yet it's not the style that the characters were ever drawn in when they were new. Right, but I, I guess I, I guess it's a retro style, but also trying to appeal, I guess, to the sensibilities of of kids and parents today. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Since we talked about the uh, uh, the Popeye campaign, this might be a good time to, to finish up the Quaker Oats story. Absolutely. Let's, now, and again, part of the whole thing with Popeye is that whether he eats spinach or with or, or with Tina, he becomes a, a lean, mean, punching machine, you know. That's right. And when Popeye had a renaissance uh, in the 80s, including his own uh, Saturday morning show on CBS, uh, Quaker Oats... Uh, uh, made Popeye the spokesman, and I understand that didn't go too well. <laughs> yeah, when um, when they would do, they would did commercials where uh, maybe uh, Bluto would be uh, threatening Popeye, and uh, and olive oil would offer him a can of spinach, and Popeye's line was "Can the spinach? I want to be Quaker instant oatmeal." <laughs> so he would you know he would eat that and grow a huge bicep, and he would you know punch Bluto into the middle distance. And then the the part that got some people upset was that at the end of the commercial he would sing "I'm Popeye the Quaker Man" toot toot. Yeah. Well, the Quaker Church didn't like that very much. You know, being being the nonviolent church that they are, and of course Quaker Oats tried to put the toothpaste back in the tubes by saying that, uh, well, no, that wasn't. He wasn't the Quaker Man because that was his religion. It was because of what he ate. But it was too late for that. So uh, the Popeye campaign died a quiet death. <laughs> well, it, it, it goes to show that sometimes, you know, uh, great ideas need to be thought out before they're executed. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't just something that they they came up with on the spur of the moment. They backed up the TV campaign with comic books and in the packages and all these different premiums that you could offer. So someone 
someone put a lot of thought into it without really thinking about it, I guess. Well, uh, another great idea that uh, was, was, was not only well thought out but uh, well executed is Tim's book, Part of a Complete Breakfast, Serial, Kel- uh, serial Killers. Serial, serial Killers, serial, yeah, that's great. <laughs> serial, serial Characters of the Baby Boom Era. We'll continue our conversation with Tim after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. You were mine. Olive would love me. Olive, I got to get me carrot back. Popeye, your spinach. Damn the spinach! I want to be Quaker apples and cinnamon oatmeal. Here, Popeye. Instant Quaker oatmeal is part of me balanced breakfast. Okay, Pluto. Yeah. Nobody better steal me carrot or me instant Quaker oatmeal. Popeye wants a Quaker. Liberty sees me. It stands by me and celebrates me for who I am. When I come into the office, I feel that I belong here. I don't have to be corporate America Gabby. I can just bring Gabby to work. Reach your potential and find a job you love at Liberty Mutual. We offer development training, rich benefits, and a culture that lets you bring your whole self to work so you can pursue your tomorrow today. Ready to consider a career at Liberty Mutual? Find out how at LibertyMutualCareers.com. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life. But it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415 415- 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com Front Porch Realty Group They'll find the solution that works best for you. You can now purchase t-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com 
for more information on how they can help you.